We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, everybody? I'm BJ Kissel. This is KCSN Update, our daily chief show and podcast here at KC Sports Network. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Matt Miller from ESPN will join me here in just a few minutes to go through his stock up, stock down report. This time we're going to be doing it on the Jacksonville Jaguars, fresh off their historic comeback over the Chargers, outscoring them 31-3 to over the final 32 minutes of that game. Normally, we talk a little chief stock up, stock down, obviously with the Chiefs having to buy. We're going to focus on their opponent in the Jags. But before we bring on Matt and do that, here's a quick word from our partner, DraftKings. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Chiefs are 8.5-point favorites on Saturday in this game against the Jags with an over-under of 51.5. Looking at some of the other games... In the division round, Bills, four-and-a-half-point favorites over the Bengals. Cowboys, two-and-a-half-point favorites. And Eagles at seven. So I like the Chiefs in the over. It's pretty much my go-to anyway, taking the Chiefs and the over. I love action. Uh, but the Chiefs racked up nearly 500 yards of total offense the last time these teams played. You've got McColl Hardman back. First time we've got all of the offensive weapons, something we'll talk about with Matt here in just a little bit. But I'm thinking the Chiefs' offense rolls on Saturday. Now download that. DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL divisional round and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, let's welcome on Matt Miller from ESPN. Matt, how goes it? How was your experience watching what turned out to be some pretty good football over the weekend? Yeah, I can't complain. I, I The thing is, as you know, it's my busy season now, so I, I <laughs> promised my wife a getaway before things got really crazy. 
with the caveat that we're going to get out of town, but I have to watch football. So I don't think she realized how much of the weekend <laughs> I was going to be, but um, still a good time, as, as you know, and I'm sure a lot of our weekly watchers know, I'm a 49ers fan, or grew up a 49ers fan. Um, so that game was was fun to watch, but I, I think, you know, being local to the Kansas City area, all eyes were on you know Jacksonville, all eyes were on the Chargers. I had Chiefs fans text me like, God, I don't want to have to play the Chargers. I hope the Jags can pull this off. I'm patting myself on the back just a little bit. I actually picked the Jags to win. And at halftime, I was like, I'm the dumbest person alive. <laughs> and then uh, the comeback was pretty sweet. But I think it's set up for, you know, round two, which is it's still crazy to me how long the playoffs are now. But round two is shaking up to be a lot of fun for the NFC and the AFC. I think we've got some really good matchups and some really good storylines, too. If you would have told me that the two AFC, if the, the Bills and the Bengals, if those two games had been settled by a total of 10 points, I would have thought you were crazy. I did not think those games yeah. were going to be that close. And Same. I know we'll get into it a little bit, I'm sure. But between, you know, Skylar Thompson and what he was able to do, and not that you look at the box score and thought that he had this fantastic game or stone the ball all over the field, thought he did enough. Yeah. I thought a lot of the guys around him, including his coaches, the playmakers uh, that we've been talking about all year, kind of let him down. Uh, we're talking about top storylines yeah. and how to kind of break down uh, that game. And then what Tyler Huntley was able to do uh, and Jim Halver on the Ravens and just kind of changing up their offense. Uh, it was really surprising to see. And I don't know if it was as much the Dolphins and the Ravens doing well or the Bengals right. and the Bills not playing very well. It's like, where do you draw that line? And before we get into your stock up, stock down for the Jags, because this is pressing because as a Chiefs fan watching that game, I know what the Bills are. I know what the Bengals – I should say, I right. know what the Bills can be. I know what the Bengals can be. That was not yeah. what we saw yesterday. Those are not teams that – I'm going to say I'm not worried about because the Chiefs have to play well. But those aren't – we've said it all year, like those boogeymen where it's like, oh, man, if we don't play our best game, there's no chance we're going to win. I didn't see that from either the Bills or the Bengals yesterday. Yeah, not yesterday. But I think it's, it's a slippery slope because those teams both beat the Chiefs within the regular season. Right. And – and, and have a, a little bit of a track record of beating the Chiefs. So it's something right. that you, I think, have to worry about because, you know, we've said it with Kansas City. There was that stretch second half of the season where it was almost boring to watch them play because they were playing down to bad teams and we yep. wanted to see them really, you know, put the foot to the pedal and, and they, they weren't. And I, I know the playoffs is a dangerous time to do that. We've talked about that a lot with Kansas City. But that's how I felt watching Buffalo is like they were almost hungover from the emotion of what happened with DeMar Hamlin and now him being healthy, the emotion of, okay, like we thought we were the number one seed. We're not, you know, I, there's a lot that kind of takes its toll on a team. And I, I think, you know, the Bengals played better, but you would still expect them to handily beat a team without Lamar Jackson. On the other side, six weeks, the Ravens played without Lamar. They're comfortable playing without him. And that defense, like Lamar doesn't play defense, like, right? He's, <laughs> right? The defense is still really, really good. So I think, you know, that matchup is obviously going to get all the cachet for this coming weekend, you know, Saturday right. games. It's going to be all about Cincinnati and Buffalo. And I think everyone's going to forget that Trevor Lawrence just led one of the greatest comebacks in NFL playoff history and has to take on the greatest quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm excited to get into these stock up, stock down, because I know I know what the first one is, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it because I'm not going to push back, but I, I might have a different takeaway 
uh, from watching that game uh, than you did. But let's get into the stock up, stock down. Again, talking with ESPN's Matt Miller, breaking down the Jags a little bit and what he's seen from them, obviously, in their win over the Chargers and that big comeback. But um, obviously, since the Chiefs faced them last uh, back in week 10, seems like they're a little bit yeah. different of a team. They've come together and playing a lot better than they did uh, around that time. But Matt, the, the first guy that you've got for your stock up, their quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, we could almost go stock down as well because the first half, you know, was four interceptions and just not – he didn't look like himself, honestly. Like, and, and I was thinking, okay, the stage is a little bit too big. They're not ready yet. Second half – and you and I joke all the time about halftime adjustments and how they don't really <laughs> exist because right. you have like 10 minutes to get in there. Um, a little bit longer in the playoffs, it feels like. But, you know, the, for I think for Trevor to be able to put that aside, to put the first half aside – you hear all the cliches about a short memory and, you know, moving on to the next play, the next series. He did that. And to have the second half that he had leading a team back down 27 to seven at halftime to come back and win 31 30. And he played, you know, close to flawless second half football. And I think with Trevor, you know, obviously he was the number one pick in the draft. He was billed as the greatest prospect since, you know, what Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, John Elway, how far back do you want to go? He was, he was billed as the next great guy, really from the minute he got to Clemson. And I think we saw in the second half what he can be. I think the other side is in the first half, we kind of saw what he is sometimes. He's still a little bit reckless with the ball. So he is, though, a dynamic playmaker, BJ. Like, we, we saw it in college. We've seen it in the NFL. He'll beat you with his legs. He can beat you with his arm. They have a ton of speed at wide receiver. Like we all yeah. mocked the money they gave Christian Kirk and that, you know, Zay Jones, yeah. like that, those are your receivers. Well, they look pretty damn good on, on Saturday, you know, 16 catches. They both got a touchdown. Evan Ingram is a problem at tight end for them as well. So I, I think the Jacksonville passing game is definitely a stock up right now. Yeah. I taking nothing away from the, the moments that we saw from Trevor Lawrence and talked about this a little bit yesterday um, on Sunday sound off. And then, when you watch, when I watch, I should say this, when I watched the Jaguars play, what I took away wasn't even in the second half when Trevor Lawrence and the offense was moving. I wasn't seeing Trevor Lawrence do a lot of what you're saying and like the playmaking. And maybe that's just, I've spent too much time watching Patrick Mahomes and I know what playmaking yeah, looks like. Spoiled. What, but what I saw was him throwing a lot of curl, a lot of stop routes and watching Christian Kirk or those over routes where Evan Ingram yeah. would catch it and be on the run. I saw a lot of yards after the catch. I saw a very impressive group of skill position players take some very simple type concepts or simple catches and make something out of them. And I went back and looked at the yards after the catch numbers. They weren't as high as I expected them to be, but I think it's mainly because we saw a lot of like the, the Kirk Cousins. He's throwing three yards shy of a first down stick, and all of a sudden those guys are getting upfield and making plays yeah. for him. It's taking nothing away from Trevor Lawrence, not saying he's a bad player or that I wasn't impressed, but the most impressive aspect in watching that was, man, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, even Travis Etienne out of the backfield. Like those guys made plays yeah. around him and I think made his, his life and his job a little bit easier in that game. And he's a quarterback, so he's going to get credit. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think even that sets up well for Kansas city of, you know, the secondary is not known to be great at tackling. Um, so that when you guys start to look at the matchup yeah. of, okay, well, we've got these wide receivers that are great after the catch or great at creating and finding separation. Um, you got to be able to square up, you got, you know, or they're going to make you pay after the catch. And so I think, you know, you're going to look at Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill yeah. and be like, all right, like, 
we can't have one of those games where y'all don't want to tackle. Like this, this has to no. be, you know, and it can't all be on Legereus Sneed, who's a great tackler, or Joshua Williams, who's a really good tackler. Like the entire secondary is going to have to come to play um, because, like you said, they the the scheme. I mean, y'all know it. It's Doug Peterson. You've seen this scheme. It, yeah. it works though uh, because of what these guys can do post catch. Yeah, I think what gives me a little confidence is the best game that we've seen from the Chief Safeties was the last game that they played against the Raiders. That was against yep. the Raiders. That Week 18 game was the best game that we had seen from Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill together uh, this season. And you talk about Christian yeah, Kirk and Lejeune. Go ahead. So maybe Juan's best game since his rookie year. And honestly, no. so and yeah, it was a fantastic game. You're right. That's what what you want to see. And, and talking about Legarius Sneed and Christian Kirk, I don't think Legarius Sneed's going to. Um, be surprised by Christian Kirk's what we saw in the last game is probably Legereus needs worst game. Definitely of the year. I don't know if his career, um, but Christian Kirk had over a hundred yards receiving and two touchdowns in that game. And a couple of those little leak route kind of backside um, concepts are what burned him. And he's going to be ready. I mean, he's going to know they're going to be ready for those this time. But the one thing with Chris, with Trevor Lawrence, and we talked about it with the chiefs and I think it's, kind of a comparing this group going into the playoffs compared to a year ago is that a year ago we spent all year talking about the pass rush not getting home and not getting enough pressure and yeah. not doing enough of this they fixed that brett veach and company fixed that this offseason now they're near the top of yeah. the nfl talked about with trevor sikama last week and his three key stats and what the chief's defensive line and how well they've played being a mm-hmm. top five defensive line unit this season like that's where the chiefs are at so getting pressure on trevor lawrence and i went through the numbers trevor lawrence one of the fastest quarterbacks as far as uh time to attempt he gets the ball out of his hand but if you make him hold it he does not do very well um under pressure yeah he is the ranks 34th out of 39 qualified quarterbacks when under pressure you don't have to blitz him if they can get pressure with chris jones Colin Saunders, George Karloftis, Mike Dana, all those guys up front. And Trevor Lawrence will kind of, I don't want to say fall apart, but you can rattle him and going on the road, knowing he's got to put up points and he's going to be an arrowhead staring at Patrick Mahomes across the field. There's going to be a lot put on a young quarterback that has shown that he can get rattled. And so that's where I kind of have a place, right? And that's where I kind of have confidence. Like, listen, between Steve Spagnuolo's creativity and that, and this is another thing, and I'm really curious to talk with, with Brett Coleman, because he's so good with the X's and O's and he studies all this stuff that there were a handful of times in that Jags chargers games where the chargers were getting a completely free rusher that was not picked up in any kind of way. And I don't know if that's the offensive line, or I don't know if that's Mm. Trevor Lawrence is not setting the protections correctly, but you saw that, or at least I saw it a lot more than you would normally do in an NFL game Mm -hmm. to get a completely free rusher with a free lane towards the quarterback. That's got to have Steve Spagnuolo salivating as a guy that loves to blitz anyway. Yeah. And we hadn't planned to go here, but but here we are. I think even, you know, the Jags offensive line is better than I expected it to be, especially when Cam Robinson got hurt. But Walker Little is someone that you'll see Jeff and Mitch Schwartz praise as a really good young player. I loved him coming out of Stanford. He was just hurt, but he has performed really well at left tackle for them. Um, So it it will be, you know, Brandon Scherf on the interior. You're going to get matchups there with Chris Jones. Um, it, it's it's a fun matchup. I I don't want people to be like, oh my god, the Jags, we're gonna we're gonna kill them. I, this is a, a playoff team for a reason, even yeah. in a, a not a great conference uh, or division, excuse me. But they they did win. <laughs> they did win yeah. that game, and and it's a team you don't you definitely don't want to overlook. No, for sure, and they can jump up and bite you. I just 
and looking at their quarter, you always start with a quarterback. Can they put up as many points? And the things that he struggled with, I think, don't lend itself well to going into the environment that Arrowhead is going to be, yeah. uh, even on a Saturday afternoon um, and not the, the primetime matchup. It's playoffs. Chiefs are going to be ready, and they're getting all their weapons back. All right, let's move on to the next guy. I, I talked about Evan Ingram, Zay uh, Jones, and Christian Kirk really impressed me in this game, but – uh, it's hard to it was hard to watch the Chargers game and not come away really impressed also with the running back Travis Etienne, who I know is a stock up for you as well. Yeah, he's my number two stock up. You're right. It's what he does as a runner, as a receiver. We didn't see it as much as a receiver, but he's capable of that. Right. So I think looking ahead to a matchup against Kansas City, it is that of okay, what do you do with him? You know, who do you who do you assign to Travis Etienne basically? Because yes, in the run game, the Chiefs have been better. You guys have heard me praise Nick Bolton. ETM is one of the fastest running backs in the entire NFL. So there's, it's a little bit of a different gear that you're chasing out there. So I thought, you know, again, against LA, their ability to still mix in the run while down 20 points says a lot about his, his big playability. And, you know, this is his first season after missing his rookie year with injury. There's a ton of chemistry, obviously, because they played together in college, he and Trevor Lawrence. And I, I do think he's someone that will be trusted a lot more in the passing game against Kansas city because they, we talked about all the speed they have at receivers. They are going to spread you out. And I, I, I think Etienne is that guy that can be a matchup, not problem necessarily, but but you're definitely identifying him early this week in meetings of, okay, what what exactly do we do with a player like this? Yeah, averaged five and a half yards per carry. Had 20 carries for 109 yards uh, against the Chargers. Had one catch for 12 yards, but I'm pretty, if I remember correctly, that was in a big moment. Uh, in which he yes. caught that ball out of the backfield and made a play because it stood out to me because I'd already watched Evan Ingram run around. Evan Ingram made some money. I don't know who, how many other oh Chiefs gosh. fans did this or how many other NFL people did it. When he caught the over route and outran the DB, and I just assumed that it was a run, uh, the, a wide receiver, and they said Evan Ingram, I was like, oh, God. So I looked up his contract. I don't know if he, I don't know all the details of it. I don't know if he bet on himself, but he signed a one-year $9 million contract. Even just off of that game, Evan Ingram made himself some money yeah. by athletically showing that he can run away from defensive backs. There are offensive coordinators and play designers all over the NFL that were probably watching that game or watching the tape after. <laughs> I mean, like, I can find a role for this guy. Uh, he's right. gonna get he's gonna get paid this offseason. Somebody's gonna get yeah. some money. He reminded you why he was a first round pick, you know, and why there was yeah. so much excitement about what he could be. He's only twenty eight years old. He's still relatively young so yeah he's gonna get a nice a nice little deal but overall major theme the Jags offense has speed obviously they're not on par with Kansas City's offense no one is but it is it's definitely a team that they're playing better uh, than the last time we saw them play against Kansas City uh, so it's it's a team that I do think you have to be aware of you know and say okay what are we what are we matching up against here with all this speed they have and and you know we we have seen struggles for Kansas City secondary i'm not picking Jacksonville to win not not that crazy but it, it will be a fun matchup i think all right before we move on to the other side of the ball and get your predictions for this game we're going to take a quick break right now you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City KC Sports Network we'll be back right after this We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, welcome back to KCSN Update. We're hanging out with ESPN's Matt Miller getting his stock up, stock down on the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Chiefs opponent, Saturday afternoon at 3.30 in the divisional round. That game at Arrowhead Stadium. All right, we've already talked through Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and pretty much all the offensive weapons. We kind of took the conversation a lot of different places, but uh, let's switch to the other side of the ball, Matt. And before we talk Andre Sisko, because we were talking before this, and I kind of forgot some of that storyline. So we're definitely going to talk Andre Sisko uh, after this because very curious the welcome that he gets uh, at Arrowhead the first time he (laughs) makes a play and how Chiefs fans very good at remembering uh, what happened the last time these two teams played. But uh, one of the other stock ups that you've got is the Jaguars defensive line. Yeah, BJ, the pass rush was was good on Saturday against the Chargers. And as you and I talked about before we we started filming this is, is that an indictment on the Chargers offensive line or is that you know, some of the where we want to praise Jacksonville. I will say this, the, you know, the two key guys there, Josh Allen and Trevon Walker. Trevon Walker was the number one pick in the draft last year coming out of Georgia for a reason. Josh Allen was a, a top, you know, first round pick. I believe he was a top 16 pick when he was coming out of Kentucky. They're both phenomenal athletes and they're going to present a lot of different problems. You know, Josh Allen has length, incredible quickness. Trevon Walker is the total package. I mean, it's strength, length, speed. He's got it all. And for a rookie, I mean, we saw, I think he had you know two or three quarterback hits on Saturday. They weren't able to, to sack Justin Herbert a ton, which he's hard to do, but they were definitely able to get hits and hurries, which, you know, affected the game a lot. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers right here from Pro Football Focus. Josh Allen finished the game against the Chargers with seven quarterback pressures. Trevon Walker had five. Arden Key had four. Roy Robertson Harris that in watching yeah. that game was definitely a player that stood out. He had three pressures and then Trey Herndon and then a uh, few other guys had a couple of pressures, but they finished with 26 yeah. as a team. So they got after Gosh. Justin Herbert yeah. quite a bit in that game. Yeah, they did. And you know, Herbert is he's a sturdy guy. He's a big player. He's hard to bring down. So we didn't see, again, didn't see the huge sack numbers, but I think as we move this forward to Saturday's game against Kansas city, a big talking point all year has been the offensive line. Orlando Brown Jr. struggles early. He's played much better as of late. Andrew Wiley, I think, is an unsung hero on this team. But if you're looking at what he has struggled with, it it can be those you know stringy speed rushers, and that is definitely Josh Allen. So it, it will be an interesting matchup because they have you know a wave 
of guys they can bring at you. As you mentioned, you rambled off, you know, seven or eight names there who all got pressures and hurries. So they're, they're going to bring, you know, a lot of speed and a lot of length. And Mahomes is a magician. I've been able to string things out, right, and, and kind of extend the play almost to find those passing windows. But I, I think this is maybe a different level of speed than they've seen on the regular this year. Yeah, I – it's it's gonna sound so weird, and this is like I don't know if it's the entitlement or however it is. Pressures don't bother me as much anymore because I spent all season talking with Trevor um, Sikama again, a Pro Football Focus. Matt and I've known Trevor uh, quite a while, but every week we went over the numbers of, especially early in the season when the offensive line was struggling, that Patrick Mahomes was a top five most pressured quarterback in the NFL, yeah. but a bottom five sacked quarterback. Like he was getting out of it uh, because he's a magician yeah. in that kind of way. For me, it's not the pressures necessarily. It's the pressures leading to a bad decision or a forced throw. So it always goes back to turnovers for me. If the pressures lead to turnovers, that's fine. But pressures really get Mahomes outside the pocket. And that's where some of like the best off script out of like out of um, pocket type plays that he's making out of structure of the offense. So the pressures get him outside running around. That's not necessarily something the Jags want either. They want to contain him in the pocket as much as they can and keep him in there, yeah. keep him within the structure of a play. So I, I, I'm trying not to say like, yeah, I don't really care right. if you pressure our quarterback because he can make plays anyway. But there is some like, as long as it doesn't lead to the turnovers. I think for me personally, if the Chiefs win the turnover battle or at least don't lose it, I don't think that they will lose a game. I think they will win the Super Bowl right. if they have a positive or at least don't lose the turnover battle because we've seen that all year. And I don't think there's anybody out there playing, including the Bills or Bengals, well enough right now that if the Chiefs don't give them extra possessions, I don't think they can hang with Patrick Mahomes in this offense. Yeah, and I think that the, like you said, entitlement, whatever you want to call it, is that you guys know that you have a quarterback that's not going to do that. Like if you're a Bills fan, you saw Josh Allen have three turnovers and you're like, what? What the hell was that? Why does he, why does yeah. he do this sometimes for all the greatness? There's still times where you're like, God, why he's, is he trying to lose the game for us? Um, with Mahomes, you, you really don't get those games. So it's, it's a different level of comfort of if he throws two picks, it's a, it's a shock, right? It just doesn't happen. No. So um, again, not to say the Jags are going to win this game, but if I were, you know, if I were doing the advanced work this week for Kansas city, these are, are, you know, some of the things that we're focused on at least. All right, let's talk about that advanced work. And one of those things, at least for Chiefs fans, will be uh, you know Googling, going back and recalling all the storylines coming from this last game. And if you were worried about the Chiefs offense overlooking them, not being as fired up, all you have to do is watch a couple plays and a couple hits on Juju Smith-Schuster um, from Andre Sisco, yeah. uh, the Jag safety in this game. I had remembered it, but kind of forgot until you had mentioned um, that all of a sudden it came back up like, oh yeah, that was this game where you had a Jag yeah. safety basically headhunting uh, Juju. And I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, got the yeah, second one. And MBS. Yeah. Yeah. So in the second one, and we, you and I talked about this, it was the second one that bothered me more than the first one, even though the right. first one looked a lot worse. The second one, to me, the intent looked like to harm, whereas the first one, it was just one of those caught in a bad spot um, yeah. as far as where the safety is when that ball is released and what the safety is trying to do to play a physical sport. But, I don't think Chiefs fans are going to forget what Andre Cisco did uh, as we go into this game on Saturday. Well, definitely not now that we've reminded them. So, so if you forgot, you're welcome. Uh, get your signs ready. <laughs> but I, I mean, we've seen this team in the past, BJ, 
I don't want to call it like petty necessarily, but they have targeted people when they need to quiet someone. You know, we've seen it before. I wouldn't be surprised if the first pass is to Travis Kelsey running right over Andre Cisco just to set the tone a little bit. Um, Cisco's a good player and he played, he played well against the chargers. He is someone that you have to know where he's at on the field because he, he can be a playmaker. I mean, he got an interception in that, that game we're talking about with the, the hard hits on the receivers. So uh, he's that he's someone you got to be aware of, but I, I do think we're probably going to see, you know, the chiefs are, are unique in their ability to manufacture a chip or a slight. <laughs> I've already seen Tommy Townsend tweet like no one believes in us. Like what the hell are you talking about? You're the dude. Georgia did player. that. I don't think that's a chiefs right? thing. I think that's right? a Bears thing. Yeah, Georgia right. came out afterwards. Like you thought we were going to go yeah, no six and six. That. I'm like, nobody, nobody no thought you're going no six and six. Uh, so I understand, you know, when your punter's tweeting about the chip you guys have on your shoulder, it's definitely permeated through the locker room. So, but I think this is one of the weeks where you don't, you don't need the the manufactured slights because you have those two plays that I'm sure are going to get played on a loop this week. Yeah. All right. Before we get into your predictions, do you have any stock downs? I noticed we went through some stock ups or anything else about the Jags and their performance, either over the Chargers or what we've seen from them recently um, that you think is yeah. trending in the wrong direction? Well, I just, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, that first half, you can't forget that no. that happened for all the greatness of the second half. The first half happened too, guys. And, um, you know, not just on Trevor, but the defense gave up 27 points in the first half. So obviously this is, goes without saying, but against Kansas City, you cannot afford to turn the ball over four times. You cannot afford to give up 27 points in the first half because they actually know how to call a game in the second half, and they're not going to hand you the ball like the Chargers did when they, for some reason, decided to not run the football at all in the second half with a 20-point lead. So um, it's obvious, but the Chargers – or excuse me, the, the Jags cannot play that way and expect to be anywhere close to Kansas City. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right. Let's get Matt Miller's prediction again, hanging out with Matt Miller from ESPN on this episode of KCS and update Matt. How do you see the game playing out on Saturday afternoon between the chiefs and Jags again, right now? And this will probably change. The line is eight. The chiefs are favored by eight and a half points with an over under of 51 and a half. Um, it's the largest spread of any of the games uh, yeah. this weekend, the four games, the two on Saturday, two on Sunday, but how do you see this playing out? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i weird about this. I want to see what the, the forecast is going to be because, <laughs> as you all know, in January in Missouri, it could be 65 degrees or it could be a blizzard. Um, so I, I think that will factor into the, you know, obviously the overall points. But I think Kansas City wins somewhat easily. I think the eight and a half point spread shows that. Um, I would not be surprised if this is a, a 10 point win just because the, I think in the playoffs it does, it comes down to your, your best players against their best players, you know, coach against coach. And as much respect as I have for Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence is going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. They just can't quite match up against Andy Reid and you know the staff that Kansas City has. And to have Patrick Mahomes, to have a Hall of Fame tight end, to have you know all the different weapons we've seen offensively. Uh, and I think if Jacksonville has a weakness defensively, it is their secondary. So uh, I think Kansas City wins this one pretty easily. And Gets ready to, to find out on Sunday if they'll be traveling to Atlanta or, or hosting the Bengals. Yeah, I want to ask you about that game here in a second. Get some thoughts on the other uh, matchups in the divisional round before we let you go. But uh, one of the other things, we haven't we haven't talked about this player, and I'm going to personally talk about him, and it's going to be a little cathartic uh, for me, I think, because I had a bet on Nick Bolton to lead the NFL in tackles. And would have won about $1,000 uh, had he led. And he finished second uh, behind uh, Olakun. Uh, number 23, the middle linebacker, who will be absolutely everywhere uh, for the Jaguars. And watching their final regular season game uh, and seeing how he played and then seeing how he played last week against the Chargers came away completely kind of like tipping my hat. Like if somebody's going to lead the league over Nick Bolton, like that dude was making plays all over the field for their defense. And that I was really impressed with the, the way the defense kind of led and responded. I don't know if I'm trying to take credit away from Trevor Lawrence and the offense. Cause a lot of it for me was yards after the catch. And a lot of, again, not Trevor Lawrence just running all over the place, making crazy plays. Um, again, maybe that's just the Patrick Mahomes side, but really taken back by the way that the Jags defense kind of, I would say sparked it or continued that no, momentum they did, that they though. had. Yeah. And going back to the first matchup, and I understand the Jags are playing completely different now, but going back to week 10, Patrick Mahomes did not struggle in any, the chiefs offense did not struggle in any right. kind of way against the Jags in that game. Patrick Mahomes had over 330 yards passing with four touchdowns, but even in the running game, the Chiefs had 155 yards on the ground. They had almost 500 yards mm-hmm. of total offense and turned the ball over three times and still won by 10 points pretty handily, up being up 20 to nothing at one point in that game. So, yeah, nothing from the Jags' defense, maybe the secondary uh, that you're talking about, really concerns me. And the big thing for me, other area, I know I'm – rambling here a bit because you brought it up earlier as far as there was a stretch there that the chiefs offense didn't, it was just kind of playing down to their opponent. And I also want to at least bring up the fact that McCole Hardman hasn't played since like yeah. week nine for the chiefs. And we talked about it when Kadarius Tony and McCole Hardman were both out, that there's a chunk of Andy Reid's playbook with the jet sweeps, the ghost action, a lot of that pre-snap motion stuff that he likes to do to get guys going horizontally. There was a lot of that stuff that the chiefs just did not have in their arsenal. They tried running it with Sky Moore, but Sky Moore, as good as he could be down the road, athletically doesn't threaten a defense horizontally in the same way that McCole Hardman or Kadarius Toney do running that same kind of way. So this game on Saturday will be just the second time this season that the Chiefs offense, all of those guys are available. The only other game in which McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney were both active was the Titans game. And Kadarius Tony had only been with the Chiefs for like three days at that time. Right. So the Chiefs offense, Andy Reid, they're going to have their entire playbook. So is is it 
inspired as the Jags defense was playing, I think there's just too much of the Chiefs offense in this game that um, could kind of be unleashed in kind of a way, yeah. and they're going to be locked in, ready to go. And I think, honestly, the Andre Cisco stuff that we just talked about could be another reason to keep those guys just a little bit extra locked in because everybody's eyes are going to be on what's going on between the Bengals and Bills. And that's what I want to ask you about now, Matt, is how do you see that game playing out um, between the oh Bills gosh, yeah. and the Bengals? It's such a tough one. And obviously, I think I, I do think the game being a Buffalo is a difference maker. And the way the NFL came about that decision, you can argue it if you want. Uh, maybe there should be another coin flip. I don't know. But uh, I think that is the difference. So I think Buffalo wins a very, very close game. But I don't, I'm not convicted about that, BJ. I don't know if you are either. It feels like it truly could go either way. I think they're incredibly well matched up against each other. I mean, I, I have so much respect for what both quarterbacks are able to do, what both offenses are able to do. Um, but I, I don't, I haven't seen the line on that one yet. I imagine it's really close and, and that's, I'll take Buffalo, it's, but by like three, you know, yeah, I think it's four and a half and that, that line will likely change. Uh, but bills yeah. are favored by four and a half right now. And I actually, I kind of like the Bengals, uh, in this game. I just, they, yeah. the bills put so much on Josh Allen that for the Bengals, I think it's Joe Mixon. I think the, the Achilles heel for the, the bills this year had been the run defense and the, Bills, uh, the Bengals can run the football. Joe Mixon, Samaje P. Ryan, like those guys yeah. can get after it in the running game. I think that could be a difference maker. And I just, it's the emotional toll that the DeMar Hamlet stuff. I think we saw it in the Bills last game. I think when the Bengals yeah. come back, knowing that game's going to be uh, in Buffalo, I just, it's a lot for the Bills to have to overcome. And you want to believe and yeah. all that stuff, but that stuff's very real. Uh, and being able to weigh on these guys. And I can't imagine they go into this game against that same team just a few weeks after this happened and not have them that weigh on them yeah. in some kind of way. But to me, Joe Mixon is going to be the guy uh, that makes the difference of of what happens in this game. If he has a good game, I don't think the Bengals will lose. Yeah, and that offensive line for Cincinnati is probably my biggest question mark because, you know, we saw General Williams go down on Sunday it's night. Fair. There's a, a question there. And yes, you know, Buffalo doesn't have Von Miller. But, they haven't missed him. I don't know. Like, you know, guys like Boogie Basham, uh, AJ Epinesa have, have stepped up, uh, Gregory Russo. Like they've, they've really filled in with, you know, a, a great rotation of guys. So I, I think if, like you said, if Mixon plays well, yes, absolutely. Cincinnati can win because they're probably dictating tempo. If they have to throw to win, that's where I'm going to get worried mm-hmm. because the offensive line is just as bad as it was last year. It might be worse right now because of injuries. Yeah. Not great for them. All right, let's switch to the NFC side. Get your thoughts on uh, those two games. I know one of the matchups isn't settled yet, but uh, talk about your Niners. Uh, we saw from the New York Giants, and I don't know. I don't. I don't yeah. know if I saw any. I know there were people that picked the Vikings to win that game. I'm sure there were, but everyone that I saw on social media was picking the Giants to win. So I wouldn't necessarily consider yeah. that game an upset. But how do you see uh, it playing out on the NFC side? Yeah, I mean, we'll see who San Francisco plays. Um, Gosh, I just don't trust Dallas's offense right now. Uh, maybe they can fix that in the postseason. Um, that doesn't happen very often, right? But um, I guess we'll see Monday night uh, what what shakes out there with Tampa. I just I don't think you can ever bet against Tom Brady. We've all seen it. You know, even when they limp through the regular season, it's you know that ability to turn it on. They kind of did that last year as well. And you know, we're a drive away from being back in the Super Bowl. So. Um, you know, I, I'd like that the Giants-Eagles game is going to be a lot of fun just because 
you know, we're seeing just like Kansas City and, and the Chargers third time this year. So I, I think Philly beats New York. That's I love Brian Dable. Daniel Jones' redemption story is one of the best in the NFL this year. But I, I think Philly is just too good. And that game being in Philly is, is going to be a difference maker. Um, it's it, I'm probably very biased, but I think the Niners' defense is too good for either Dallas or Tampa. So it's boring, but I, I have a feeling we're going to see the top two seeds from the NFC in the championship game. You know, one of the things I want to ask you about and talking about the Niners specifically, because I've spent a lot of time looking up the number right now because I want to make sure that it's up to date. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about Frank Clark uh, in the postseason and that he is yeah. fifth in NFL history and postseason sacks uh, at 11 postseason sacks. And I think um, he was Bruce Smith uh, was the all-time leader or excuse me. That sounds right because he played forever. <laughs> so, no, excuse me, Willie, Mc, Willie McGinnis uh, has the all-time okay. sack record. So, yeah, Frank Clark has got 11 sacks. He's tied with a number of, number of guys above Frank Clark on the NFL postseason sacks record. Uh, Reggie White, that guy. Uh, Frank Clark Pretty gets good. one more sack. He's going to tie Reggie White for fourth most. Then it's Terrell Suggs with 12 and a half. Then Bruce Smith with 14 and a half. Then Willie McGinnis with 16 and I use these numbers talk about what Frank Clark has done in crunch time and that Mm -hmm. he goes and has two or three sacks in the playoffs this year. He could be, he could, if he gets three and a half sacks, he could be tied for second most sacks in NFL postseason history. I mean, five and a half isn't completely out of the question in three games. Obviously that's him really stepping up. We've seen it before. We've seen it. Yeah. There's a path in which Frank Clark could have more sacks than any other player in the history of the game in the postseason after a three game stretch. If the chiefs can get, uh, through all three of those games. Yeah. But you know what's more surprising than that? Nick Bosa, two years in the playoffs, I believe. He already has eight <laughs> postseason sacks. Uh, and that yeah, was before that was before their last game uh, in the wildcard round against the Seahawks. And I'm pretty sure he had at least one sack in that game. Looking at it now, no, excuse me, did not finish with a sack. So he's still yeah. uh, he had down the there. recovery that was huge. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, he is only a few games away. They make the playoffs a few more years. Like Nick Bosa will ultimately get that record if the the Niners can stay yeah. um, stay good and He's get back in the playoffs man. consistently. Yeah, yeah. And Charles Amini, you opposite him. I'm gonna be a Texas yeah. Homer. Charles is a free agent. He had two sacks of Geno Smith. One was the forced fumble. Charles is gonna get paid. I think a lot of people forget the Niners traded for him. They traded a sixth round pick for him last season. And, and he's been very, very good for them. So um, that's definitely – as you guys have a, probably a month before you worry about free agency for the rest <laughs> of us, though. Uh, Charles Amenehu, some of the, the definitely has made himself some money. We can't even stop thinking about the draft. Uh, heading out to the East-West Shrine Bowl next week while we're covering, hopefully, yeah. the Chiefs getting ready for an AFC title game. We'll see where that game is at, whether it's down in Atlanta or whether it's against the Bengals at Arrowhead. Uh, but it'll be something to watch for. That Again, appreciate Matt Miller from ESPN for stopping by with his Stock Up, Stock Down report. Appreciate everybody out there for listening. We'll have plenty of more content this week at KC Sports Network. So make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. And don't forget, we've also got all of your favorite colleges covered, whether you're a KU, K-State, or Mizzou fan. Big game tomorrow night between KU and K-State in basketball there at the Octagon of Doom in Manhattan. Make sure to check out the Three Maw Show. And um, Ain't No Seats, got a little KU and K-State basketball podcast here on the network. But appreciate everybody for hanging out. We'll uh, 
We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.